We're going to be reading out of the book of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7. Let's all, I know I just had you sit down, but up and down is good for your bursitis and arthritis and tonsillitis. <laughs> it's good for everything. And if you can't stand, we understand. I want to give God praise for God bringing my mother through uh, the valley of the shadow of death. Too many supernatural stories to tell, but when, I was, when, the, when it really got bad and I thought I was going to have to catch a private plane to fly home when she was actually, lungs were filled with blood clots and it looked like the end, uh, I started praying and I heard our family singing a song that dad used to sing in the old church with the hardwood floors and naughty pine walls and naughty pine ceiling. And I heard our whole family singing it. Lead me, Jesus, lead me everywhere I go. Oh, lead me, Jesus. And mom, underneath the oxygen mask, her lungs filled with blood clots. And when she finally was conscious, she said, don't you all hear that? And they said, they got down to listen and said, Mom, what are you talking about? Said, all of that singing that's going on. And uh, said, uh, we, we don't hear it. And she says, well, you may not hear it, but it's there. <laughs> and she said, I can tell you what they're singing. Now, Mom didn't know it. My sister didn't know it. Nobody knew what experience I had. I told my sister the next day, and she went, you got to be kidding, because it's the same song Mom said they're singing. Lead me, Jesus, lead me everywhere I go. Just take me by the hand and lead me on. <laughs> Supernatural occurrences like that. Just wonderful things. And I praise God for the Lord bringing her through. And uh, right now she's home and came home this afternoon. I didn't know she was coming home, but I got one of my chickens that I raised out of the freezer last night. And I said, I'm going to make a celebration pot pie. I made, rolled out the butter crust. I had it all done before 11 o'clock today. I roasted that chicken for three hours, deboned it, made the filling for the pot pie, made the butter crust, and I had it all rolled out. And I called mom, and she said, well, they said, said they're not going to let me go home till Saturday or maybe Monday. I said, okay. I said, well, it'll be waiting on you. I said, it's a celebration pot pie. So when it got all done and finished, I got ready to take, I took it over to dad's and dad said, well, we're going to go eat and then go visit your mom. We'll eat a little something here. That was at two o'clock. And when I got the house, the phone rang and as my sister Vic, she said, the hospital called and said, come and get her. And so dad said, well, I'll eat a little bit now. And then when she gets here, we'll eat the rest of it. <laughs> So praise God for that victory tonight. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. I want you to remember, Timothy, the genuine faith that is in you. But the first one that had it in your family was your grandmother Lois. And then from your grandmother Lois, this genuine faith was passed on. The mantle was passed to your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded that the same thing that Lois had and Eunice had, you've got also. And I'm putting this in your mind. I want you to remember it. Because you need to stir up that gift that was in your grandma, in your mother. 
And it's also in you. Remember, when I laid hands on you, that gift was manifest. Now, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Just for a few moments tonight, I'm dealing with a, a very unusual subject, and it's never been preached before. But the Lord spoke to me and said, preach on the third generation. The third generation. So let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you, Lord, to let this message be preached in love, mercy, truth, demonstration, and power of the Holy Ghost. Let it be a blessing to the hearers. Let it be food, Lord, to, to the hungry. Let it be bread, Lord, to the eater. And let it be seed to the sower. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. And the church says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Just for a few moments tonight, we're dealing with the subject, the third generation. Say that with me. The third generation. Say it one more time. The third generation. You see, as we look in the scripture, especially two different events, and both of these two events are very important because one is with the covenant man Abraham and the second one is with the Davidic anointing that came up on David, which represents the anointing that's coming up on the church because the Bible said in the book of Acts chapter 15 and verse 16, he said, I will rebuild again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down that the rest of the nations may come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, David never built a tabernacle. You know that. Solomon built the temple and Moses built the tabernacle. But David, it was an ordinance of worship. It was an ordinance that said, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will come into his courts with praise. David is the one that opens us up in the book of Psalms and tells us how worship ought to be. He says, praise him with the stringed instruments, praise him with the timbrels, praise him with the cymbals, praise him with the horns, praise him with the organs, praise him with everything you can praise him with. Pray, enter his gates, clap your hands and shout with the voice of triumph, dance in the spirit, leap for joy. This is the Lord's house. This this is how he is to be worshipped. He's to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. And that's the anointing upon David. The Bible said in the book of Revelation chapter 3, the revival church is a church that has the key of David. Because Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia, I, Jesus, I have the key of David. I open doors that no man can shut and I shut doors that no man can open. And I set before you an open door. If you want an open door of evangelism, if you want an open door of the spirit to move, if you want an open door of God's power then you've got to use the key of David which is an ordinance of worship it's an ordinance of worship that your mindset I've come into the house of the Lord to give him glory and to praise him for the things that he has done the things he will do and the things that in future he's going to do tomorrow because he's the same yesterday today and forever but when you look at the covenant the covenant that has been given to this world through Abraham the Abrahamic covenant brought the Lord Jesus Christ because he told Abraham he said in your seed shall all nations of the world be blessed so Abraham represents the covenant blessing through Jesus Christ and David represents the Davidic blessing that ushers in the presence of God that brings the glory of God to the church 
But both of these have a three-generation experience. The first one is Abraham. He's a man of prayer. And then there's Isaac. He's a man of blessing. And then from Isaac is Jacob. And he's a little crooked. He's a conniver. And he's got to have, a, he's gotta have a, a, an experience with God to, to, because he don't have what his daddy and his, and his grandpa had. So he's got to get, he's got to be changed. His attitude has to change. He, he can't run the way he's used to running. So you see the Abrahamic attitude or the Abrahamic generation are people of the altar. They're people of sacrifice. They're people that gave it all 100%. I'll give everything there is. I'll lay my Isaac on that altar. I will give everything I can give. Then the people of Isaac were well diggers. They're just people of the blessing. No matter where they dig a well, it always springs up with water. No matter everything they touch, it is blessed. It's blessed and blessed and blessed. And then the Jacob generation comes on. He gets the blessing, but his name means manipulator. It means conniver. It means, well, I, I believe I can do it this way. I, I believe that if we do it this way, this is what will happen. And, and it's, its mind exalts its thoughts above the knowledge of God. It's no longer, it's no longer the one that's consistent in prayer. It's no longer the one that's digging the well and saying, God's got something down here. I know he does. I'm going to keep on digging until I get it. It's a, it's a spirit of, 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 of that human mind one more time trying to manipulate the situation in order to get the goal that you need to get even though you know your carnal mind is totally opposite of what God is saying. That is the three generations of Abraham. You look at David. David is the man that's anointed. Lord have mercy. He kills a lion. He kills a bear. He saves the sheep. That's how you know you're really anointed. Not people can kill lions and bears but they have a hard time and they kill sheep also. God don't want you killing the sheep in the church. He don't want you killing little young people. He don't want you destroying young people like that. You know, they're young. They don't, they've not been where you've been. These, these young people here, you know, they, they look like a man, but their brain's only 17 years old. It's a, and just a few years ago, it was playing with a, with, a, with a little horse in the backyard or something, you know. You've got to give them time. You've got to give them time to go through some experience because they think they, you know, one, one little uh, uh, a plaque on this family's house that said, you better ask your teenager uh, the questions you need answered now why they still know all the answers. Uh, because when you get older, you're going to find out you really didn't know those many answers at that. But we are not to be vicious. We're not to be sitting there and being vicious. You know, I've heard people say vicious things. And I think about our young people. And I go to different churches and they don't carry the, they don't carry the same standard we do on our platform, which is that's their business. I'm not pastoring that church. I'm pastoring our church. But, but you know, I, I say, now look, you're not, you're, there's certain things we're not going to have up there because we, we don't want to distract the people. We just don't want to distract the people. And if you've got something so stretchy, if you bend over, we think that thing's going to flop and, 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 and fall apart on you. We've we got to be careful with that kind of stuff, all right? And some people say, well, I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't know if this is tight or not. I'm not going to sit around and judge how tight is tight. I just set what you're supposed to do and just leave it at that, okay? But we set these standards for these young people and I've seen people that can't tolerate anything. Even though the young people look good, even though they sound good, it seems like they're tolerant. So what I'm telling you is when the anointing is on you, you will fight the lion, you will fight the bear, but you will save the sheep. I love what my mom said. We were talking because, you know, most of the time we don't, some of the new songs, the songs they sung tonight was absolutely fantastic, but there are some new songs 
songs out there are ridiculous. They just don't have any sense at all. They don't connect. They don't connect to anything. They're just totally disconnected. And we've tried to purge as many of those out of our church as we can. Some of them have slipped through sometimes. And I just went, oh, there goes another one. You know, and you go like that. And 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 there was a couple times when when one you know one of these came through that didn't make any sense at all. And you're all sitting there going, okay, what's going on next? And and <clears throat> so it, it, on Sundays we're all sitting there eating because we we all go to our house every Sunday and we're all sitting there eating and you know we're complaining about <laughs> about the song that we all hated and nobody liked it and all this kind of stuff and and mom goes she goes well you know they like it if they like it we can at least endure for three minutes and let them sing it that's the Davidic anointing the Davidic anointing will kill the lion the Davidic anointing will kill the bear but the Davidic anointing never goes after the sheep never goes after the sheep but David also had this anointing to bring down a giant he had anointing to bring down the strongholds of, 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 of Jerusalem he brought down the stronghold of Zion the Bible said this Davidic anointing was willing to go up the gutter up the slop up the, up the sewage canal in order to bring victory this Davidic anointing was powerful now the next generation is Solomon. What does Solomon do? He lives off of daddy's victories. He, daddy's the one that brought all that gold in. Daddy's the one that brought all that silver in. Daddy's the one that brought all those lumber in. Daddy is the one that brought all those cedars from Lebanon. Daddy's the one that said, here, here's what the Lord showed me through the spirit, the pattern of the temple that you're supposed to build, and you've got the wisdom to do it. I'm going to give you everything you need. And the Bible said Solomon lived like Isaac under the blessing. Everywhere Isaac dug he hit water but then the third generation comes again this time it's it's Rehoboam when Rehoboam comes along the third generation he doesn't carry the same anointing he could have but he doesn't carry the same anointing as his grandpa David he doesn't have the, the, the luxury and all the, all the finery that Solomon his father had and he certainly didn't have the wisdom and now he gets to the point okay how am I going to do it here comes the carnal mind again here comes the carnal mind the natural mind is the enemy against God God doesn't have an enemy named Satan he went into the heart of the earth he says Satan according to Genesis 3.15 you bruised my heel and you hurt me when you put those spikes in my feet but he said the Bible said with my bruised heel I'm going to crush your head so Satan has had his head crushed by the bloody foot of the lonely Nazarene so Satan has been dealt with by the blood on the cross of Christ the Bible said the word is not the enemy that over not the enemy that you're going to face uh, even though the lust of the eye the lust of the flesh and the pride of life if you love the world you don't love the father but that's not what he said he said that this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith that Christ is in you the hope of glory that everything you need is inside of you so the world has been overcome the devil's been overcome there's only one more thing that hasn't been overcome and that is your free will a lot of times we blame stuff on the devil but most of the time the biggest devil you face is the one you clip their fingernails every day and the one that you the one that you uh, wash their hair and brush their teeth look in that mirror real good and say you're my devil I'm facing today because the devil does not have near as much access uh, as your carnal mind does uh, it operates against God it wants to separate you away from God you can blame the devil all you want to you can say the devil's on my trail the devil did this the devil did that 
that, the devil did that. He has limited ability because you are covered with the blood and you have the power of God working in you. He will set up traps. He will set up schemes. He will set up all kinds of strategic places in order for you to fall. He will bring demonic people in your life to try to mess you up. I'm not saying he doesn't work. He knows how to work it. He knows how to work it good. But he also knows that there's someone inside of you that conquered death, hell, and the grave. And if Jesus came out of that grave, you have the ability to come out of any tomb, out of any situation, out of any power of darkness, that greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. So the third generation is constantly, they are involved with this mental situation. It's a mental situation. It's a dependency on the flesh. They know that they really don't have what grandpa had and they certainly don't maybe have what their parents had but now they but they know that the that they have something but yet they feel like that they have reached a level of intellectualism to where they can deal with it themselves and they can do it themselves and it come time for Timothy and and the, and the Holy Ghost came to Timothy and said oh brother Timothy oh Timothy God's got his hand on you but I've got to bring something to your remembrance I want you to remember the days and it wouldn't hurt any of you to go back and find out when did the 10th street church get started where did 25th street church get started what caused Willie Russell to come up here how did it all begin what were they doing at, at community family church in Independence Kentucky when they were in a chicken house what were they doing when they were in a barn what was it like when they were on the tent on route 16 and nobody in southern Kenton County had ever seen a Pentecostal before and it looked like some jamboree going on and cars those 1950 Chevrolets were all gathered around and nobody would the tent was packed but there was two or three more outside of the tent trying to figure out who these people are why did they do that why on Saturday night did people drive down old crooked highway 16 when we had our first little chapel with the wooden floors and the wooden walls and the wooden ceilings why when those windows were open there wasn't any screens did the people come by the hundreds and park their cars and sit on the back of their cars and some of them were drinking their beer and smoking their cigarettes but they said that woman in there that plays that guitar wait till you hear her sing tonight they'd see them run out the building shouting and shaking they would look in the windows they would watch them hanging over they saw them chase Peggy out the doors Peggy uh, Peggy no, let's forget her last name okay Maybe nobody needs to know it that, that they saw Peggy when she came to the church and she had devils and the women were wrestling her down trying to rebuke those devils and she escaped went out the door went running through the woods you think those holiness women gonna let a devil escape they took off after her they grabbed her they caught her in the woods she was bleeding with, with all kinds of cuts and scratches they drug her in the church and that devil growling saying I won't come out but he did come out and she became a pastor's wife she became a pastor's wife 
She saw her family saved. She saw her sisters come to the Lord. You hear what I'm saying? We need to ask our grandma, go back. What happened, Sister Myra? Tell me, Myra's been in heaven for a long time. But what was it, Sister Myra, when they gave you just a few weeks to live and you had three children and they said you're going to die and all at once you spit that cancer up in church in a garbage can. You spit that filthy, stinking cancer up. They said it smelled like rotten meat. But when the cancer spit up, she was healed by God's power. Oh, what was it? What was it in that chicken house? What did you have in that chicken house? When the men drove by and they were drunk and they would stop and they would stagger in and they thought they would cause havoc. But when they walked under the door, under the threshold of that door, the Holy Ghost would move on them. You need to find out what your grandma had. You need to find out what your parents had. You need to find out because everything that's in the tree is in the root. Everything that's in the root will show up in the fruit. The dynamics the dynamics, the dynamics of every generation is in the tree. The dynamics is in the experience. The dynamics is there. I went back here to our little cousin. He's 20 years old and, and I run my hands through his curly hair and I looked at him real good and, and I hugged on him real good and when I got done hugging and looking, I said don't you forget you got my blood in you. You got my blood in you. In your, if, if you go get a DNA test, it's going to have my blood in you. It's going to have my mom's blood in you. It's going to have ma'am Sizemore's blood in you. It's going to have great grandma Markham's blood in her. It's going to have and there's going to be a notification on that DNA that in the Appalachian Mountains 1906 that great grandma Harriet Markham was baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. If generational curses can bring bondage to you, generational blessings can bring deliverance to you. There's generational blessings. Eyes have not seen ears have not heard neither has it entered into the imagination the things that God what about me 20 years old 19 and 20 years old coming down there at 25th street in that church we, I thought it was oh my goodness it looked like a coliseum to me we'd never seen a hole in this church in Kentucky any bigger than 250 people and ours that's about the size of ours we never seen no big churches like that first time I went to Johnny Carter's I thought oh Lord have mercy it would hold 800 we only had a thousand people I think at independence of that time our little countries our little cities where we lived didn't have hardly anybody we came I came up to 25th street first of all the little white block chapel and I was there just to sing and stuff and, and but then when I held the revival they had just built that new church and, and I'm just thinking what in the world was going on I asked the brother back here the Russell I thought he was the baby I forgot you were the baby I couldn't remember which one sister Russell was bouncing on her knee bouncing on her knee taking care of that that little chunk Chunky fat baby. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, you could tell he got his share. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, but I'll never forget it. I don't know who the I don't know who he was. I don't know which one of the family members it was. But he's a backslider. Had been away from God. Here's this skinny Kentucky preacher that can't really preach much. I just mostly just shout and shake, but I was anointed, brothers and sisters. I don't know. Maybe I didn't have much content, but I, I was just anointed. I would just praise God and the power of God would move. 
and he was standing up there against the back wall with his arms folded he was a big Jake like it was just like alright here's this little Kentucky squirt up here you know you imagine things in your mind you imagine it and here's sister she's got looks like a bunch of little bunch of little pigeons sitting on the wall they're all on the front row and, and, and sister Russell's got those roller hair rollers that look like you know look like that in the olden days you know, we all used to say they look like hot dogs and there's there's going to look like Viennese sausages going that way and, and I'm just talking about us okay because we had the same hairdos down there and she's sitting there with all these little children and all at once the spirit of God began you need to know what your grandma had you need to know what your papa had cause I'm telling you the same thing that's in it is in you you can walk away from it you can think you're smarter than they are you can think you've got a greater education than they do if it what you know if they knew what you knew you could they could have gone a lot farther than you've went but in that church service that night she was sitting there with those babies holding that baby there and shaking him around just going like a mama would do about that time here come the boy from the back I don't know which one he was he put his arms down and he started walking going <laughs> and crying he fell in at this altar somebody pushed the back of her and said that's one of yours and she didn't even she was taking care of that baby I, I don't know where the baby went all I know is sister Russell she jumped up and went to praying with that boy and let me tell you what there's not a square dance on this midwestern haywide that could compare what happened to sister Russell after that boy prayed through they started singing a song and when they started singing she went went to dancing and went to shouting. I thought those Vianese are going to fall out all over the place. Her hairdo's coming down. Oh! Remember what your mother had. Remember what your grandpa had. Remember what they had. Because that same faith is in you. That same power is in you. Satan is terrified. I said he's terrified because this group of spirit-filled Holy Ghost, apostolic, anointed Pentecostals, those that believe in signs and wonders and the gifts of the Spirit. We are the fruit of that tree. We are the fruit of that tree. And if the fruit of that tree ever realizes what Eunice had and Lois had and says the same the same thing that's in Lois and Eunice is also in me. Oh, glory to God. So what's the military strategy of Satan against the third generation? It's the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. Now I want you to look at this. A prophetic generation is 40 years. So from 1900 in Topeka, Kansas, when the Holy Ghost fell there, is already in the Appalachian Mountains. But let's just, just use some dates. Not that God is locked in in dates and times. He's not locked in a time of anything. 1900 to 1940, that'd be the Abrahamic generation. The people of prayer. The people of sacrifice. People that gave it all, brother. They gave it all. They didn't have nice buildings. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have things like that. The next group was from 1940 to 1980. I'm sort of in that group. The Isaac group. I came along 1956. I, ca I came along in that group of people. But that group, they were well diggers. No matter where they dug, they hit water. You could put them anywhere. They wouldn't even, the people in our, our community didn't want holy rollers. And you know what else they didn't want? They didn't want Appalachian hillbillies. 
They knew we were from the Appalachian Mountains. They said there's nothing but hilljacks. That's what they are. They don't have an education. Why those people, and if they, you get them mad, they'll tear up Jack and tear the town up. That's how they are. And when they drunk and they were lost, they would tear it up too. That's how Aunt Helen's, that's how Aunt Helen's boy got killed in Newport. He got shot when those 11 size more boys went in there to tear up Jack. They got mad. Aunt Maud was a barmaid and Aunt Stella was playing music sitting on the bar. You didn't know that, did you? None of us knew it. Aunt Maud didn't want it told. She went to every one of her pictures and cut out everything that had lipstick on it and a bottle of beer. She didn't, we don't even know what she looked like when she was young. She didn't want us to know anything about because Aunt Maud looked like, she looked like Aunt B on Mayberry when I knew her. <laughs> Except for with black hair. Oh, she was as strict as they could be in Aunt Stella too. But they were sitting on the bar and Aunt Helen's boy was, they meant to shoot Alfred and kill him. They went shoot and Alfred got away from that bullet. But when he jumped out of the way because he saw the gun coming, the boy, Aunt Helen's boy didn't see it and it shot him and they laid him out there on the street in Newport and the blood coming out of his eyes and his ears and his mouth and his nose. And Aunt Maud said, while he was gargling the breath, we said, call on Jesus. Jesus, he's going, Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus, forgive me. Oh, Jesus, they knew the holiness way. They knew the way of the cross was the only way of redemption. They knew that Jesus, every one of them had childhood experiences. Every one of them prayed through to salvation when they were children. But now the adversary had come to steal what they had, uh, had come. So not only, not only was that one, but Aunt Maud's husband, Brother Gully's father, he was murdered in Newport. And after they murdered him, they threw him in a deep freeze and then there was Uncle Leo's son he was murdered in a bar and thrown out and all of these Uncle Leo's son he was laying it looked like a coma and they said they said Dennis you can pray just call on Jesus I know you can't say it but if you if you're saying it in your heart squeeze our hand and he started squeezing the hand and tears started coming down and that's the last oh the mercy of God I said the mercy of God is so great just like the thief on the cross just like the thief on the cross that was dying that only had enough breath to say remember me and he said today thou shalt be with me in paradise all it takes is a heart of humility it's not the best route to take but it is a route if you've still got breath in your body if your car is going down the side of a mountain and you're getting ready to hit a tree or go into a river the Holy Ghost is going to be right on that seat saying call on Jesus if you're in a plane and it's ready to crash the Holy Ghost is going to say call on Jesus every prayer your mother prayed every prayer your daddy prayed and if you did have a praying mother and father you have a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities seated at the right hand of the father and he ever lives to make intercession for us they didn't want those Appalachian Clay County Harlan County Bell County Breathitt County hillbillies they didn't want them having a place so then what he'd sell us property finally one man gave in and sold us a ditch a real ditch pitiful place but they took the ditch they took the ditch and grandpa called his cousins he called <laughs> Vita's husband Eddie called Eddie called Eddie's brothers they just kids <coughs> 15 maybe 14 15 called Eddie's boys or called Martha's boys we need you to help us lay block. Uncle John was still a beer drinker. He was still bound by alcohol. He said, I'll, I'll help him build that church. 
he came to lay block building that church. I said it was on a hillside. If you, if you had a car, when you opened the door, everybody would fall out. And when you got ready to leave, you just shut that door and everybody fell in the other one. One whole family called the Vance family lived down there on Fowler Creek. One of the poorest families in the whole county of Kentucky. They came up from the Appalachian Mountains. They didn't have anything, brothers and sisters. They were just, they took pieces of tin and wood and anything they could find and built them a shack down there on the Fowler Creek. They pulled all of their water out of that Fowler Creek. All of that water. Oh, but the mom and pop, they heard about the holiness people. And they came into that basement that didn't even have enough money to put a roof on it. Do you hear what I'm talking about? That same blood's in you. That same blood is in you. That same power's in you. This is, I don't care if they call us hillbillies and Appalachians and holy rollers. Uh, I know our church is down on the hillside. I know we don't have air conditioning. I know we don't have a parking lot. I know we got, if you have a car, if you fall out, that same blood is in you. That same, not blood, but faith. That same type of persistence. It's in you. And if it ever gets a spark of the Holy Ghost, it will literally turn this world upside down <laughs> they heard about the poor people down on the and I came to this world in 1956 in a two room shack with an outhouse in the back and a well in the front yard heard about the poor people on route 16 and they came to visit first night they were there old brother Vance got saved <coughs> sister Vance got saved we got eight millimeter film because Grandpa Sizemore was starting to make a little money then. And he bought a film. And we got them going down in the river, 1953. Harley Hensley's baptizing them, and I think Clarence Seeley. They're down there in the, in the creek, baptized them. And they're praising God. The Vance family didn't have, a, didn't have a car. It was at least seven miles from the, their house to the church, at least, maybe 10. But every time the doors were open on Route 16, there was 15 of them at least, 12 to 15. Had a big family, could have been more than that. I think they had at least 12 kids. Here they came. They'd already got their holiness ponytails, uh, they're holding the shirtwaist dresses, uh, they had their tambourines uh, some of them played a guitar they walked down highway 16 uh, to that poor church, uh, they were singing oh thou art the potter, I am the clay, oh thou art the potter I am the... and you could see them, the people would watch them going to church and some of them get to shouting uh, all the way there shaking that tambourine, shoulder shaking head banging and glorifying God and people said I told you there they go you look at them there they go there they go oh, there they go alright there's going to be a day and an hour this world's not going to have to worry about us anymore there's going to be a day and hour they're not going to have to worry about if we're self spacing or if we are essential they're not going to have to worry about if we're essential or not because there's going to be one day they're going to say there they go there they've gone and I'm in that number that no man can number in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You find out what was in them. What was in them. What was in them. What was in those people that didn't have anything. You're here old enough. You all know what I'm talking about. When the women brought the sheets and ironed them, and the men would run a wire across the front so we could have foot washing because they wanted to do it just like Jesus and the women up on the platform and the men back here nothing fancy just a wire 
just sheets. Behind those sheets for maybe an hour and a half or more, you could hear them in that foot washing. And then after the foot washing was over, they take the sheets all down. Then they serve the Lord's Supper. And you could hear them crying as mom would sing. On some morning past daybreak As the crowd slowly gathered You'd hear Foster Baldwin hitting that guitar And throwing his head back And singing, is not this the land of Beulah? <laughs> oh, glory to God But the third generation He said, Lois had it, Eunice had it and I laid hands on you. You got it too, buddy. You got it. It don't make any difference if grandma was a, an outlaw and papa was too. When you come in covenant with a group of people, you come in covenant with that blessing. When I married my wife, she had a Trans Am and a bedroom suit. And I had a, I had a, oh, I don't even know what I had. Hers was had a better memory than mine. I had a Vega GT and a bedroom suit. But when we got married, the Trans Am became mine. And the v Vega GT became hers. Because when you come in a covenant with people, everything you have becomes theirs. So whether your mama spoke in tongues or not, or, or maybe, maybe you was some of the people, your family was some of the people that tried to shut them down. Don't worry about it. You're in covenant now. That means... <clears throat> That means everything that was in Vonda's mama, she became your grandma now. Everything that's in my mother, sister Janice, she's your grandma now. Everything that's in them, they're your mother. There's no, there's no race in this. There's no gender. There is no social status in this. But he said, Timothy, here's what you're going to have to walk at, watch out for. He said, the third generation has this problem. First of all, there's a spirit of fear that comes to them that they're never going to be able to accomplish what Eunice and Lois accomplished. And so they constantly battle this spirit of fear and intimidation and unworthiness. I don't, I'm never going to be able to do it. But he said, I'm going to counteract that spirit of fear. I'm just not going to rebuke the spirit of fear. I'm going to replace the spirit of fear. You just don't rebuke fear. You've got to replace fear. You've got to get rid of the fear that's there. And the first thing he says to get rid of this fear, I want you to know that you have power. Say, I've got power. power. Say it again. Say it about three times. You don't believe it yet. You've got power. You don't have to wait for grandma. You don't have to wait for mommy. You don't have to wait for somebody to come by with a healing crusade. You don't have to wait for anything like that. Because the Christ that raised from the dead, he dwells in you and you've got power. You've got power. Quit trying to say, I don't have power. Quit trying to say, I don't have any friends. Quit I, got a, I got a young man right now that's uh, had, his, had another overdose. He came to me when he was a, a boy. He went to our school. And, and, and the situation is terrible. 
oh my goodness, handsome beyond measure. He's extremely handsome as a boy, extremely handsome as a teenager, extremely handsome as a young man, has gifts and talents that are beyond imagination. But his coach in, in, in the public school molested him and that nobody knew anything about it. It was a molestation. It, it, was, a, it was a bad thing that happened. Not only him, but two or three other boys in the school. This coach would befriended them and take them to the house and and this thing eats on him. It's still eating on him. It, it's, it's this third generation thing. It's this battle with this, with this thing. And I, I, no matter what we do, and the only thing that soothes it is drugs. So he goes back to drugs. We get him off of drugs, he goes back to drugs. We get him off of drugs, he goes back to drugs. And the mother, she texts me. She said, I know you must be tired of praying for him. She said, I know you're tired of praying for him. I text her back. I said, I'm not tired of praying for anybody. I said, I'm not tired of praying. I want him totally transformed. And one way or another, he will be transformed. Either by the destruction of his flesh, he will be saved. Or, by, or he will get total deliverance in this life. But Satan one day is going to take the grip off of that poor boy's mind. He's going to take that grip off. And one day he's going to be set free. But the only way you can get rid of this spirit of fear is by power. You've got to know the power in you. You've got to know you've got power. To, you've got power. I'm not going to bring a bunch of snakes in here but you've got power to pick up the powers of darkness the, the serpents of evil. You've got power. Do you hear me? This isn't just something that Myra Hendrickson had when she spit up a cancer. This isn't just something that Irvin Steele had when he built the church on 10th Street. This isn't just something that somebody else had. You have power. You need to say it every day. I've got power to live right. I've got power to talk right. I've got power to praise right. I've got power to live right. I've got power to praise. I've got power. 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 Every time that spirit of fear says you won't make it, you say, oh yes I will. Oh yes I will. It is in my genealogy of faith. The second thing, if the brother will come to the music, the second thing he said, not only do you have power, but you have love. Somebody said, oh, that's good to feel love. No, you've got love. Because even though you say every day you've got power, you're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say things you wish you hadn't have said. And then you're going to start beating your head over again, yourself over the head again, and the spirit of fear is going to come right back. But you say, uh-uh, uh-uh. I also have love. I also have love and perfect love casts out all fear and I want you to know something Satan all my human weaknesses all my human frailties all of the things I ask myself a lot of times I say God I can't even believe that you people think that that I'm a, a person of perfection I'm a person of discipline but we all struggle we all struggle. And if it wasn't for that love on that cross, if I didn't know because of the blood of Jesus, my sins, past penalty, present power, and future effects of sin, I thank God for some of the old preaching, but some of the old preaching wasn't exactly like the Bible. I hate to tell you that. Some of them would preach such, such guilt, such guilt, not, not conviction. Conviction comes from the Holy Ghost. 
We had people in our church that went 20 years would not pray for the baptism of the Holy Ghost because they didn't feel like they ever measured up to sanctification. No matter what they did. Because the church taught so strict you can't receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost until you're sanctified. And to be sanctified in some cases meant you didn't wear a white shoe if you were a male. You didn't wear a white belt if you were a male. At our Barberville youth camp, I was there the year they preached against hair dryers. They said it was the first sign of homosexuality when a male uses a hair dryer. The night before, there was hair dryers everywhere. The night after, you couldn't hear one at all. Not every message of the past was lined with the scripture. There were some preachers that I know that lined it up every time. Brother Carter, Thee Carter, I know some that lined it up every time, and you probably know people that lined it up every time. Some people didn't line it with the Bible every time. And you would feel guilty, unworthy, not good enough. And why should I even try? Why should I even try? There's no hope for me. There's, there's no hope. I mean... I've already goofed it up again. How many times am I going to? But then you look at the love of Christ. And if he tells me to forgive Tad seven times 70 over the same thing, 490 times, you think he's going to do less to me? And God knows you're not going to do the same thing 490 times. You're not that crazy. In one day, he's trying to show us the love of God. Yes, you have power. But yes, you have love. You have the love of God that when I run from Him, He ran to me. When I tried to get away from Him, He wanted me. People ask me all the time and say, Oh, Brother Tommy, you've been on fire now for 49 years. What was you doing? What was you doing the night the Lord set you on fire? What was going on? Oh, what was going on? I said, you want the truth? I said, I was sitting on the piano bench. I had $700 saved up. I wanted to run away, go get drunk, and go see a dirty movie. They went, oh. And you ended up called and on fire for God from that? Not from that. Through that. Through that rebellion. Through that spirit. That wild spirit that's in that size more blood. Sorry about it, but it's in there. That wild, unrestrained, don't hold me back. And I had it, brothers and sisters. I never had a chance to express it, but I had it. In the middle of that rebellion, here came love. 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 And the love of God pulled me out. Do you hear it? The third generation, he said, not only have I given you power, say power. Not only have I given you love, but I've given you a sound mind. You know what a sound mind is? It's a mind that don't allow yourself to just go out in left field all the time thinking the weirdest things ever. You just have to pull your mind back and say, uh-uh-uh-uh, I'm not going there. I'm not thinking that way. I'm not going to allow myself to think out of the boundary lines of this scripture. I'm not going to allow everybody in this. If you've got a creative mind like I do, your mind will want to take off. And I, I can, my mind, boom, 
I'm telling you, I could be sitting there before the before the before the second verse is sung on the first song. My mind could be in four different nations. I'm telling you, my mind can be everywhere. But he said, I've given you a sound mind. You know what a sound is? Have you ever been to Prince William's sound? Have you ever been to a sound in the ocean? You know what a sound is? It's where all of the mountains have surrounded it and the big gushing tsunami waves that would normally come in those waves you go inside this place it's called a sound and it's full of it looks just like the regular ocean but the ocean can't have its effect there because it's in a protective sound he said I want you to put your mind in such a protective sound hallelujah that the enemy can't get through it I want your mind so so you've got to keep your mind stayed on him you can't get rid of lust listen to wiggle wiggle all day long you can't get rid of lust with your with your F-150 or F-250 jacked up so high and all you can listen to is the best of country that's got beer drinking junk going on all day long you can't expect to get rid of rebellion and all you do is listen to trashy rap and you can't expect to get peace in the time of trouble when all you listen to is gloom despair and agony on me you've got to create a sound mind a mind that says it will not be penetrated let's all stand our feet tonight let's lift our hands toward heaven if you're born again let's let's lift our hands toward heaven say thank you Jesus say thank you Jesus you've not given me the spirit of fear but you've given me power now clap your hands and shout for power come on hallelujah Get your hand back up and say, thank you, Jesus. You have shown me love on the cross of Calvary. The love on the cross is what keeps me. And now give God a clap and a shout for the love on the cross. Now lift your hands and wave them and say, thank you, Jesus. You have given me a sound mind, a protected mind in the name of Jesus. Now, if you believe that God has given you power, love, and a sound mind, I want us right now to begin to give God the best praise we can give Him. If those worship singers will come up, come up, these worship singers. The worship team, the praise team. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, I'm going to tell you third generation. I'm talking to my generation. Talk to everybody. You third generation, you are the one that the enemy wants to stop because you are the one that carries it on. You are the one that continues this. And the only thing he can use is because Grandma Lois and, or Lois and Eunice have already taken care of the other. But wait, but they can't take care of your mind. They can't take care of the spirit of fear for you. You have to look the enemy right square in the eye and say, Satan, let me tell you something. I realize I'm a third generation. I remember Timothy in the Bible. If God put this in the Bible, this message is for me. This message is for me. How many of you feel that anointing tonight? How many of you had a, a Lois and a Eunice in your life? And maybe you didn't. You just got a draft adopted in the royal family. Hallelujah. If you've had a Lois and a Eunice and you want to battle the spirit of fear, listen to this one. I'll end with this or I'll say this. I forgot to say it. From Abraham, the first generation was 19 to 1940. 
Isaac, 1940 to 1980, the well diggers. Jacob, 1980 to 1920. What happened in 1920? The world got injected with one of the greatest injections of the spirit of fear the global society has ever had. What's God telling us? In the middle of 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of chaotic election, in the middle of all kinds of things going on in this earth. I have not given you. I'm about ready to run. I've not given you the spirit of fear. But arise my church. I have given you power. I have given you love. And I've given you a sound mind. All of you that feel the pull to this altar, I want you to come to this altar. Throw your hands up. Come on. Throw your hands up in the air. Come to this altar. Lift up and say, I, I, I'm standing on that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I search the world. Glory, glory. Anybody lost if without God? <laughs> Tell me about it, honey. Come on. And treasures that fade Yay. were never enough. Then you came along. <laughs> That's love right there. Glory. And put me back together. <laughs> Some of you just need to walk the aisles and wave your hands. Come on, shake off the spirit of fear. Come on, Tad, show them what to do. Just walk the aisles. Wave your hands. Get rid of the spirit of fear. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. I'm not afraid. You're what? <laughs> to show you my for each other, pray for each other. Again. 
The McCameys would like this verse. Sing it. I'm not afraid. Yay! To show you.
tonight he is the only one that can do you really believe that tonight do you really believe that tonight I'm so thankful tonight that we're serving a God that is not done, but that he's just simply getting started. 
in the midst of everything that's going on in our world today, there'd be those that would say that there's no reason to be excited. There's no reason to be optimistic. There'd be no reason to get together on a Friday night and to have a worship service, a revival service. There's those that would label us as being foolish and radical. But tonight I'll stand here and tell you this. By the unction of the Holy Spirit. That the Lord would say to you and I tonight that I'm awaking the Timothy of this generation. That which has been bound by fear. I am now releasing, says the Lord. No longer will they be a spirit of intimidation against my people, but in this hour and this season, I am releasing, and I am doing a work inside of men and women that's been lying dormant, but there's a stirring of my spirit, says the Lord. And men and women that have done nothing but sat silent because they was in chains of fear and bondage of fear that others did not see. God would say in this season, I am orchestrating and releasing my pause of this hour to bring about revelation to my Timothys. Uh, and my Timothys are about to walk in the power that I've given them. They're about to experience the love that I have shown them. Uh, but there is a sound that is getting ready to erupt out of them uh, because it's going to come from the sound mind that I am placing in them even now. We ought to give the Lord a shout of praise right now for a generation that's about to experience the supernatural anointing power of the Holy Ghost and fire. There is still a God that's moving. He's touching a generation in this very moment of time. Don't be weary tonight in well-doing but began to stir up the gift that's inside of you today. Amen. I'm thankful for the word of the Lord tonight. Thankful for the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful that there's still hope for America. Still thankful that there's hope for the nations of the world. I'm going to just let them take us out of here and worship tonight. I'm not going to dismiss. But I want you to greet each other in the name of the Lord. And I want them just to go out of here just worshiping the Lord. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. But let's just go out of this place today worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords. God bless you tonight. Pastor Ron, I pray that today's message and program has been just a great blessing to you. And I just uh, 
I'm so thankful that we had the privilege to come into your home today or wherever you may be watching. I would encourage you to uh, continue to follow us. We're on all of the major social media platforms. Uh, we have podcasts that you can follow us with. I would encourage you to reach out to us and let us know. Our information's on the screen. And uh, if we've been a blessing to you, please contact us. Let us know. And we look forward to sharing the word of the Lord with you again uh, next time. God bless you. We'll see you soon.